Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio 929 Welcome to the jungle. Chris go forth in with you on this holiday. Eric Slaughter behind the glass. Glad to be uh, glad to be hanging out with you wherever you may be joining us from today. We're glad uh, you chose to make us a part of your day. It is Labor Day. And for those of you that are uh, working today, hey, we're right here with you. Hopefully we can help uh, pass the time a little bit quicker today. We got uh, we got two more hours to go. We got a lot more to get to. If you missed our conversation with Joe Patrick earlier talking about the Falcons, we're going to bring that back to you uh, before the uh, 6 o'clock hour. We'll do that coming up at around 520, about another hour and 20 minutes from now. We'll get to that. We'll uh, get to more of your calls, by the way, on the Falcons. And, of course, we will talk some more college football that that's where we're going to start because labor day today and i know for a lot of people it mark you know memorial day kind of marks the beginning of summer labor day sort of marks the end of summer uh used to be this would be like the last holiday before everybody went back to school and heck now we're going back to school in july in some places so that's not really the case anymore but the one thing that labor day does for me is it means we've got meaningful football we don't have to deal with more boring NFL preseason games. Falcons get underway this week, and it also means that we get five days of college football to begin uh, our college football season. Game started on Thursday, Florida and Utah. We'll get to our college football roundup here in just a minute because, man, did Florida look bad. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up in, in just a minute. I did want to touch on, uh, again, game started Thursday. They go all the way through. we got a game tonight with Duke and Clemson. But I did want to touch a little bit on Georgia. Uh, they beat, yes, I know it was, it was Tennessee Martin. Tennessee Martin, the Skyhawks of Tennessee Martin, uh, the alma mater of Pat Summit, and uh, the, uh, the first nickname – for UT Martin, they were called the Baby Vols. And that was way back when they first started their athletic programs there. That's what they were. Those are, those are, that's all I know about, uh, about UT Martin. That's all of the interesting facts that I can give you about Georgia's opponent on, uh, on Saturday. Didn't really matter. Georgia rolled 48 to 7 was the, uh, was the final score. Let's hear from, uh, from Georgia head coach Kirby Smart on the uh, on the win, saying that he felt like he had some guys that grew up on Saturday night. Here's uh, Kirby Smart. I did think we had some players grow up out there today, and you know when you have look on the sideline and there's five and six guys that are dinged up and banged up, and we knew there was going to be some butterflies for some guys, particularly on offense, and I thought they grew up tonight. Georgia had a new quarterback, a new coordinator. As you heard Kirby Smart say, they had some skill guys that, you know, Lad McConkey didn't play. They had some uh they had some guys that were out because of uh because of injury. But 
Carson Beck still managed to pass for 294 yards. And I think, you know, maybe the most important part in all of this is the idea that Georgia didn't turn the ball over in this game. And again, this is a team with the way the schedule sets up for them. And and frankly, the way the SEC East looks. South Carolina had their quarterback, Spencer Rattler, get sacked nine times by, UN, by UNC, for crying out loud. I thought Tennessee looked pretty good in a win over Virginia. But outside of that, I didn't see a whole lot in the SEC, uh, in particular in the SEC East, that would, if you're a Georgia fan, cause you a whole lot to worry about. Um, You know, again, I think the East is still Georgia's there for the taking. And as we have talked about before, this schedule sets itself up very nicely for Georgia to have a a ton of success. When you, um, you know, you start looking at, at, uh, again, the way this schedule sets up for this year, there's a chance for, for Georgia to have, look, you're going to get Ball State next, you get South Carolina, and you get UAB. The next three are all home games, Ball State and UAB sandwiched uh, with uh, South Carolina sandwiched in the middle. Then you got a road trip to Auburn. thought Auburn looked okay. Uh, look better, certainly, maybe, than, than what we have seen. But And then you're home against Kentucky, a road trip to Vanderbilt before the bye week against Florida and Jacksonville. Based on what we saw against Jacksonville, I don't think that really – they're not putting the fear into anybody right now, Missouri and Ole Miss at home, before you close it out with road trips at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech. Uh, so, again, a lot of new faces on the field, Georgia not turning the football over. I thought was was key. And you've got some time to kind of figure this thing out offensively. And we've seen this before from Georgia. Remember, was it two years ago when Georgia won their, or I guess now three years ago, when Georgia won the first national championship, that game against Clemson, remember, they didn't score a touchdown. The offense didn't score a touchdown in that game. Let's hear again from Kirby Smart. He said that uh, coming into the game, they knew they were going to lean on the defense in this game. Here's uh, Kirby Smart. When we went into the game tonight, I talked to the offensive staff and I talked to the defensive staff, and I was like, look, we're going to lean on our defense because we got some guys who were nervous and had not played on offense. And, you know, the, the, the expectation that he talked about and the, 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 the everybody just thinks you're going to walk out there and just roll over these teams. You know, and that's that. Oh, it ought to be forty to nothing by halftime, and then it's not. You get tighter, and, and guys get worried. I'm, I'm, I'm over that. I'm past those days. I want to grow and get better. Georgia still scored forty-eight points and had five hundred and fifty-nine yards of total offense. I remember I mentioned what Carson Beck did, passing for two hundred and ninety-four yards. Let's hear more from Kirby Smart. Here he is on what he saw from Carson Beck and his performance on Saturday. Um, I was very proud of Carson in his first start. I thought he had great composure. Really, that was almost the epitome of every scrimmage he had. He threw the ball away when he had to. He hit the spots when he had to. He made good decisions. He didn't put us at risk. He made good checks. Um, He did some really good things, um, and I'm really proud of him. All right, let's hear uh, some more from Kirby Smart. Um, You know, we talked about how good this Georgia defense is, and I think they're going to be really, really good again. Don't get me wrong. But. 
this isn't a generational defense like we have seen over the last two years. I think they got a chance to be really, really good, though. Kirby Smart says it's kind of hard to evaluate the defensive line based on the competition. Here's uh, the dog's head coach. You know, the level of competition, we're, we're, we're better than the guys we played against. It's going to be a bigger evaluation when it's A, hotter, and B, a bigger offensive line. No disrespect to, to UT Martin, but they, they made a decision that they were going to, if they were going to run the ball, they are going to do it through their quarterback. And I think I would venture to say, I don't know, 33% of their yards were their quarterback runs, um, and he's not necessarily a true runner. But they did it because they had to rush the ball, and they did a nice job of that. So, One of the things that, uh, that Georgia did, I, I felt like there was – uh, kind of a, I guess the mindset going in was we want to get other guys involved other than Brock Bowers, but eventually I just think Brock Bowers is too good. You, you've got to get the ball to him, and that was one of the things that Kirby Smart talked about uh, after the uh, after the game was the fact this offense looked good under Mike Bobo, uh, especially when it came to to getting the football to Brock Bowers. I thought that uh, our guys functioned well, especially when Carson was in and out of the pocket, uh, getting the ball to Brock, which, you know, we limited that some. We could have certainly got it to him even more. Um, but we, we want to make sure that we're smart about that and we, we get the ball to other guys. Now, against UT Martin, you could probably get the ball to Brock Bowers on every single play if you wanted to. And I don't blame Kirby Smart for kind of taking this thing and going, hey, look, let's – Let's try to get some other – he mentioned the fact you've got some new faces on offense. Let's try to find ways to get some of those new guys involved, and if not new, at least guys that maybe haven't had to be counted on so much over the last couple of years and get some of those guys involved now that they're kind of having to, you know, quote-unquote pick up the slack, so to speak. So, with that being said, again, I you know I know there was a uh, and you heard Kirby kind of talk about it there about you know people feel like you need to be up forty to nothing at the half. Again, I go back to when Georgia won the first of two consecutive national titles. They didn't score an offensive touchdown that night against Clemson. That was a pretty good Clemson defense as well. Last year they only put up thirty three against Samford. So take that for what you will. Did want to mention Georgia Tech too. Um, and, Eric, I don't know if you got a chance to watch Tech at all. Uh, the bad news is they lost 39-34. to 34. Uh, They allowed 26 unanswered points by Louisville. But I will say this. Tech had a 28-13 lead at the half. They looked better, Eric. I know the results are what the results are. But the one thing I'll say about Brent Key and, and Georgia Tech this weekend is they were watchable. Okay, that's good. This, yeah. this does not look like a three and nine team to me. Hmm. Now you know uh, uh, how could you watch them? You were covering high school football just like me. I hate it, like you said. I hate the fact that they played on Friday night yeah. here in Atlanta. But um, yeah, yeah. Listen, you should never play college football on a Friday night. Uh, in, in certain parts of the country, in the, certainly never in the South. <laughs> certainly, no. if you want to do it in New York, they want to do it in Piscataway or whatever. Fine, right. but in the South, you never do it on a Friday night. No, I saw the score. I thought I saw the score. I was like, hmm, respectable. That was good enough for me. Yeah, no, same here. Like I, I did get a chance to watch some of the highlights. I did get a chance to catch um, some snippets of it uh, later on on the ACC network. Some of the stuff they were showing from it, and again, Georgia Tech looked 
it was watchable football from them, from what I could see. And so that was enough uh, right now in, in week one. We'll see where this thing goes for them. But uh, certainly, again, based on what little bit I was able to see, they um, they didn't look like a team that was going to go 3-9 and nine this year. So that's a positive. We got to get to our uh, college football uh, notebook. We're going to go uh, go through college football. We'll touch on a lot of things from over the weekend. I don't know, uh, Eric, did you see any of Coach Prime this weekend? I was here at the studio Saturday afternoon and I watched every minute of it very closely and intensely. It's hard to believe that was a team that went 1 and 11 last year. 70 new players on that Colorado roster. Mm-hmm. And versus a team that was, uh, I mean, technically in the uh, you know, national champion run-up, right? That's yeah, what, yeah. That's they, what they, TCU was? Yeah, they played in the national championship game last year. We'll get to that. We'll do it. It's our college football notebook. We'll check into that coming up. We're also going to get some more of your calls. Talking Falcons here towards the end of this hour. Joe Patrick joins us to talk Falcons coming up at 520. So just over an hour from now, stick around for that. Chris Goforth with you on this Monday. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game in the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth in on this Labor Day. Glad to be hanging out with you. Eric Slaughter behind the glass as we uh, we move along through this uh, this holiday Monday. I uh, hope you got a long weekend and uh, hope you're enjoying it today. It's time for us to uh, hop back into a little bit of college football here for a minute. Uh, we, we talked about Georgia a second ago, and I, I do want to mention some of the other games that went on over the course of, of this weekend. Uh, in, in particular, Colorado, they beat TCU 45-42. I knew there would be a lot of interest and intrigue in this game, uh, Eric, because of what all had happened at, at Colorado. Deion Sanders taking over. The fact they were 1-11 last year. They got 70 new players on their roster. I didn't expect this to turn into being the, the game of the weekend, and that's exactly what it was. Ooh, game of the weekend. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, it was a less than a one-score game. It was a lot of uh, – Changes in the, um, you know, uh, what's lead changes. So, yeah, you know, I can see that game of the weekend. Very, very good, yes. We've never had a college football team put together quite like this. You know, um, I, I hear what you're saying about those 70 new players, but he brought at least 10 to 12 of them from his old team. Uh, he did. Quarterback from he, his old team. Running back from his from old team. FCS team. Yes, FCS team, but this is the deal. He had Division One caliber players who were willing to come play for him on the FCS level. Shador, his, his, both of his sons could have went to any D1 school pretty much they wanted to. They decided to play for his dad. Savion Wilkerson, the running back, could have went D1. He decided to play – he, he wanted to play for Prime. We all know Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter turned down Florida State, okay? Right. And the last guy, the, the five-star running back, he was going anywhere he wanted. So, you know, your core key guys right there on offense, your top receiver, your two top running backs – and your quarterback were all Division One guys playing at Jackson State to play for for Dion. That needs to be really put into the equation. Colorado, I thought, looked well coached um, on the road against a team that we mentioned a minute ago had played for a national championship last year. I have always known that Dion would be able to recruit. Just look, if you if you ever watch the guy during the years that he spent on TV on the NFL Network, uh, if you remember when he played here for the Braves and the Falcons, 
Deion Sanders has always had it, right? Whatever it is, Deion has it. And that has always been kind of who he is. And I knew that it would shine through and that Dion would be able to recruit. The question was, could he get it done on game day? And, you know, again, he did it at Jackson State. But as Eric just mentioned, he did it at Jackson State with a lot of guys that were not FCS uh, level talents. Now he's doing it, or at least he did it for one game at, at Colorado. That's been the most impressive thing uh, about this to me has been, you know, there were a lot of people that I don't think took, you know, when he started this this rumbling a couple of years ago, and it really started, I don't know, maybe a year, uh, six months before he actually ended up at Jackson State that Deion Sanders wanted to coach. And I think there were a lot of people that didn't take him seriously, that kind of laughed it off a little bit. I don't think anybody's – I think everybody's taking Dion pretty seriously right now with with what he's been able to do. I would say they are, but you you hit the nail on the head. The staff that he has put around him makes them well coached. He went out and got what the top OC in the country. Didn't the OC had the number one offense yeah. wherever he came from? He's got a heck of a uh, defense coordinator. I mean, I love what Dion's doing. I love his personality, all the things you're saying. He's got the it factor. He's got that je ne sais quoi. He's not sitting there drawing up the game plan. He's not. He's not. He's not. And that's okay. That's right. That's okay. He is the leader of the men. You know, those guys will run through that wall for him. They sure will. And they want to be a part of that brand. That's fine. Can we get that halftime speech, Eric? Can you get that ready? Oh, well, the halftime speech and the post game, you know, (laughs) when he said, uh, uh, I got the receipts. (laughs) It was was hilarious. I, I, I listened to all of it. Uh, give me that that halftime speech. You you talk about guys wanting to play for him. Uh, look, I, I've always thought you know Ray Lewis was one of those guys that you know there, there's very few people that I would pay money to go listen, uh, give a talk somewhere. Ray Lewis is one of those guys. I I, I like Ray Lewis from that uh, in that regard. Uh, Deion Sanders. I mean, he's you know what, what's the famous. Uh, you know, Ray Lewis line about, you know, I urinate excellence. Uh, Dion doesn't go that far with it necessarily, but you listen to this guy. This is him in the in the locker room at halftime on Saturday. You listen to Dion, and you kind of get the idea of why these guys want to play for him so much. This is this is in the locker room at halftime. Uh, between Colorado and uh, and TCU. Go ahead, Eric. And the only way they end this darn game is we let them. Yes, Two turnovers. We're not going to beat ourselves. Yes, We're not going to beat ourselves. Yes, We're going to beat them. They just saw the appetizer. You was a little apprehensive. You really didn't know what we had. You really didn't believe. Mm-hmm. But now you should. Mm-hmm. You should understand what we got. Mm-hmm. Everything we need is right in this locker room and right next to it. Yes, and so you to make up your mind uh, how you want this story written. It's a pin in every darn locker. How are you going to write this story? Let's go out there and be dominant, fellas. I believe your offense is going to get the ball, and they're going to go down and score. Defense is going to go back three and out. We're going to get a good punt return, and we're going to contend to beat the brakes off these young men. 
But we're going to do it with class and dignity. No more stupid penalties. We got that? Yes, sir. Touch the person next to you and look at him and say, I believe. I believe. Let's go work. That's Dion in the uh, in the locker room at halftime. You're right, Eric. He's not the guy drawing up the plays. Uh, what Dion is, number one, first and foremost, I think he's a heck of a recru- recruiter. Very rarely in the college game do you find somebody that is equal parts recruiter and X and O guy. Agreed. In, yes. In my yes. travels around college football, most people, you are either one or the other. Mm-hmm. The number of people that are both, eh, man, that's that's a very, very, very minuscule. You know, there are guys that make their living as great recruiters. There are guys that make their living because they are tremendous X's and O people. David Cutcliffe, fantastic X and O guy, was for a long time. Could identify quarterbacks, mm-hmm. decent recruiter, but David Cutcliffe's thing was, let me get a guy and develop him. Let me take him and mold him into what I want him to be. He is uh, was, was one of those guys. Ed Orgeron, fantastic recruiter. Fantastic. Well, you know, if, if there is a recruiting Hall of Fame, Ed Orgeron's probably in it uh, because of the job that he did at USC and, well, for that matter, everywhere he's been. Oh, absolutely. He was tremendous as a recruiter. Wasn't a good play caller. Yep. Um, I'll give you another example. What Mark Rick did at Georgia, excellent recruiter, not necessarily was the greatest in-game coaching technician. Right. Which is why for years and years and years, what did they say? Man, Georgia's got 15 draft picks on this team. They've got the best, you know, wide receiver, the best defensive tackle. Why can't they win it? Because he can recruit them. But when you get them there, he couldn't necessarily get them over the top. So what we've seen out of Kirby, you know, and he learned a lot of it, a lot of it from the king. You know, Saban is still the king. Saban is still a great recruiter. He's a closer, you know. But mm-hmm. you guarantee you he does a lot of the game planning, and then he turns it over to his staff. So he learned from the best. So it's examples of I go back to Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was the closer. He was a great recruiter, but he had Mickey Andrews. Yep. He had Mark Rick and some other guys that were the real game technicians. Yes, exactly. Exactly, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You can be that person, and you, you can't do that in the NFL, right? you you got to be – the NFL is about X's and O's. In college, you've got – on every staff, you've got to have a mix of guys that can recruit and the X and O guys. And I think, you know, look, that's where Dion is in this. The motivator, the recruiter, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Or, and, look – the one thing about today, and it's going to linger here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game for a couple of days, is the idea of the overreaction. You know, people are going to overreact for the next probably two to three days here about Georgia, regardless of what they thought about it in week one. Uh, next week, it's going to be the same thing. Next week, between the morning shift Steakhouse, Andy and Randy, Dukes and Bell, you are going to hear next Monday is overreaction Monday. If the Falcons win, people will be over the moon. If the Falcons lose, it will be torch the place. We get a little bit of that here with college football. Is it too early to start talking about 
Travis Hunter as being a Heisman possible? Absolutely not. Because, look, this is not Charles Woodson going out and taking a couple of snaps on offense to, to put, up some, put up some numbers. This is a guy that played 129 snaps in that game. He's playing offense. He's playing defense. 129 snaps in the Texas heat. I mean, I look, again, calm the Jets just a little bit. You don't want to overreact too much. But not only did I, I think he was the best player on the field, he was by far the best conditioned player on the field. And like we said, Chris, that's a guy who chose to go to the FCS level. Should have never been there. Should have never been there. That's why, like I said, you know, yeah, 70 new players, but these, a lot of these guys know each other. A lot of these guys have already played together. Um, I mean, the, the chemistry between Sanders and uh, Hunter was not just built in this spring practice right. or the fall practice. That was built last year. And you can see last year at Jackson State, he really didn't play as much wide receiver as he played Saturday. If they can get some of those – his, that's why I heard a lot of people talk about what's his future in the NFL is that DB. He doesn't have natural receiver hands. What he has is that unbelievable athleticism because yes. he dropped a lot. He dropped two touchdowns. Right. So, right. you know, and, and think about it like that. If he'd have caught those, Dion said it. If he'd have caught those two touchdowns, you can give him a Heisman now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got one more game coming up this weekend or, or the tonight that will end the, uh, the weekend of games. Clemson and Duke play tonight, 8 o'clock kickoff. Over on ESPN, Clemson's defense should end up being the difference in this one. I mean, they are just – I think Duke's a pretty good team. I really do. And I like what they're doing there. This Clemson defense is just way, way better. Clemson cannot turn it over like they did last year. Uh, they got to show they can throw the football down the field as well. I got more college football. Let's uh, let's continue. We'll keep talking some college football here to close out the 4 o'clock hour. Chris Goforth hanging with you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth on this Labor Day Monday. Continue to talk a little bit of uh, a little bit of college football. That's kind of where we started. We got a couple of more, couple of more things that I, I did want to um, I did want to touch on, including that game last night between Florida State and LSU. Before we get there, Eric, I know you you watched your share of college football this weekend with the new clock changes in effect. Uh, did you notice anything differently? Because I didn't of the games that I watched. And I watched the, the Florida-Utah game Thursday night, um, watched uh, two complete games on Saturday, watched LSU-Florida State on Sunday night. I'll watch Clemson and Duke tonight. But so far, I haven't seen anything. The, the game doesn't look or feel differently to me. I know they said in week zero it had shaved about four and a half minutes off the time. But I, I didn't really – I didn't really see or notice anything. How about you? Well, um, I tell you what, you know, first off, it took me a minute to to get used to it. I kept saying, why is the clock not stopping at the first down? Right. Why is right. the clock not stopping at the first down? And I realized, oh, yeah, only does that now inside. It was inside two minutes in the, yes. each half, right? Mm -hmm. um, I saw a few coaches make a few clock management mishaps. Now, did that have anything to do with the fact that the clock wasn't stopping? I don't know. Maybe it was a, a couple of coaches who were young in their career. You know, it always comes down to, you know, did you save enough timeouts or whatever, whatever. But um, it just took me – it took me personally a minute to get used to it. 
And I don't, you know what, Chris? No, I don't know what it was. I kept thinking that uh, Clemson Duke game was here in Atlanta tonight, but it's at Duke's on Duke's campus. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it yeah, was. There was a, there's only one game this year in the Aflac kickoff, and that was I at think, Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I, I think next year they do two again. Right. Okay. But I think yeah. this year it was only one, and that was that was Georgia Tech and, and Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. I just for some reason I kept thinking, oh, that game's in Atlanta. That game's in Atlanta. No, that game's in Durham. <laughs> I bring up the the clock issue because, or the rule changes because, UCLA had just four drives in the first half against Coastal Carolina. They ran 30 plays. They're interviewing Chip Kelly on ESPN, and he says, these new rule changes are crazy. We have four drives in the first half. Hope you guys are selling a lot of commercials. I, again, from you know, maybe from a coaching standpoint, you talk about some clock management issues. But as a fan watching it at home, I again, I don't really uh, other than kind of being like you, Eric, and at first going, okay, why why is the clock running? Oh, that's right. You know, once once you kind of get used to it, uh, I really didn't think anything else about it, and there wasn't anything. It didn't really change the game or how I watch the game or anything like that for me. And, again, if we're shaving four and a half minutes off the game time, that's not, you know, we're still running, you know, three hours plus mm-hmm. for a game. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, yeah. it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. And, and the other thing is this. With these quick strike offenses that we see all over college football, you know, you have drives that are go seven plays but only take two minutes off the clock. Exactly. You're getting a lot of timeouts with, you know, commercial. Oh, we scored a touchdown. Let's take another break. So, yep. you know, that slows games down. No more of the, you know, what me and you and our dads used to see. No more 11 play, eight-minute drives because they're running right. the ball. You just don't see it anymore, you know. Yep. A good Army-Navy game, you know what I mean? Couple of A uh, couple of notes here. Penn State and Kentucky both had to score late to cover this weekend. The Oregon mascot, Eric, I don't know if you saw this, the Oregon mascot has to do push-ups every time they score. So every time, you know, they score seven points, he does seven push-ups, right? They they kick a field goal. The Oregon mascot did 546 push-ups Saturday. They scored 80 points, right? How many scored 81. Seven times—that's a lot of push-ups. My God, five hundred and forty-six push-ups for the Oregon mascot on uh, on Saturday. That's a workout. Whoever, that, whatever young students in that costume, because a student in there. Yep, they get a scholarship. Well, they get a scholarship and, for that too. And here's what I wonder: you know, uh, uh, some schools will have multiple uh, mascots. Like it'll be, you know, the the mascot duties may be split between three or four kids, right? Because, you know, maybe one guy has class and there's an event that they the mascot has to go to and, you know, or some sort of, you know, something happening off campus, a visit to a children's hospital or whatever, and mascot number one can't make it. Well, that's okay. We've got his backup. And right. there's usually a depth chart. I just wonder if at some point in time that guy in that duck uniform didn't go, guys, I my arms are done. <laughs> my, listen, I got noodles hanging off my arms over yeah. here. Somebody else is gonna, you know, somebody else is gonna have to come in, give me a little bit of a break here. Mm. Now, I've never heard the story that they have multiple because I know I've I've heard the stories or I've read some of the stories about you know the biggest mascot competition in college football every single year. 
You talking about the Capital One thing? No, I'm talking about <laughs> the the most the 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 competition that gets the most guys trying out to be crowned this mascot. The, the, the one person oh. who gets to be the Notre Dame, what is it? the Notre oh. Dame Leprechaun. Oh, okay. You know they have right. hundreds and hundreds of students come out to compete now, to be the Leprechaun. That may be one that's a little bit different because you've got you've got what you can't hide the guy. In behind a uh, costume or behind mask. a duck costume, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, the the guy at uh, at Oregon, he's wearing a duck costume. It's probably if it's or a young lady, might be a young lady. Could Never be know. a young lady. Yeah. If it's 85, 90 degrees outside, you know, it's probably one hundred and ten inside that uniform. Uh, those things are hot. Uh, they typically do not smell the best, uh, and most schools will have multiples, but. Uh, most of the schools that I'm aware of, they have, again, you, you know, you got somebody wearing the big big mascot head or whatever in a costume, you're going to have a couple of kids that will rotate in. And I just wonder if at some point in time the Oregon Duck mascot guy just didn't go, guys, they're killing me out here. I got to – you're going to have to put somebody else in this uniform for a quarter because my arms are done. Who would be – give me the top four mascots. I got three in wow. mind. Wow. See, I'm a bigger fan of the live mascot, right? Like okay. Ugga. Okay. Smokey. Is that um, the – Is that which one is Smokey? Is that the bull, that's, the buffalo? That's, that's Tennessee. Okay. What's in the, is that a dog? That's the hound. Okay. Yep. All right. So the Colorado has a buffalo. Colorado has, has the buffalo. UT has the, the longhorn. Yep, the Longhorn uh, Tiger Mike down at LSU, which is a real-life tiger. Really? Okay, I guess uh, I got to look that one up. That would be, yeah, that would be, that's that would probably be, you probably hit my top five right there. Okay. Georgia, Tennessee, I am a English Bulldog owner, so I, uh, I, 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 my, you know, uh, I am a, a, a fan of UGA. Gotcha. Um, we love dogs in our house, so, uh we love Smokey. Uh, the mascot at Texas, the the Buffalo in Colorado. Yep. Tiger Mike. Okay. Um, Texas again. I I that to me is way cooler than than Brutus Brutus the Buckeye. Than Brutus the Buckeye. Yeah. That's the guy yeah. right there. That was, but, you but know, now, that's the most famous look, one. If we well, I was going to say uh, when you asked the question about which the competition to to be the mascot where which school has the most people come out to be that guy i uh, brutus the buckeye would have been my guess now you're 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 right about notre dame that makes 100 percent sense but my initial thought was oh it's got to be brutus the buckeye um okay but my favorites would be brutus the buckeye the tar heel at north carolina um theater turtle the turtle at maryland my home state um, the duck, the duck at Oregon, he's legendary. Uh, I think that would be probably the top ones. I can't think of any other. Really Not the tree ones. at Stanford. Do they actually have someone who dresses like a tree? Oh yeah, really? The cardinal? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to look that one up. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. There you go. Uh, LSU, Florida State, very physical game last night. Um, LSU preseason top five. They get beat pretty soundly last night, forty-five twenty-four by Florida State. Florida State. Mike Bell's a happy man today. Florida State scored 31 straight in the second half. We talked about Dion 
loading up on portal guys. Uh, somebody else did that too. Hang on, I've got it in my uh, got it in my notes. Texas State, Texas State did it. Texas State beat Baylor forty-two to thirty-one. Uh, Texas State had never beaten a Power 5 team before. They had 51 new scholarship players on their roster. They loaded up like Dion did. They saw the results. Brian Kelly got a bunch of guys in out of the portal, and it did not look good. Um, the issue, I think, right now for Florida, for LSU, if you think – you had a team, and they did, that was a playoff contender, the team that could, quote-unquote, take the next step there. The only way they take that next step, and that next step is play for an SEC championship and win it uh, and get into the college football playoff. The only way you get that now is you've got to win the SEC, which means you're going to have to beat Alabama, you're going to have to beat Georgia uh, at Mercedes-Benz and get into the college football playoff. I don't think there is enough there for LSU to be able to play their way back into this. We talk about the Heisman Trophy now. We talked about uh, Travis Hunter being a possibility. How about Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback, 23 out of 31, throws for 342 yards, had four touchdowns. He did have one interception, but he throws four touchdowns and 342. Uh, Florida State is one that I am a – believer in I was a believer before the season started I, I had had fallen prey to all of the hype of LSU and when I was at the SEC media days and all the hype and LSU was everybody's favorite I started to kind of believe well maybe this is the you know Jaden Daniels maybe this will be the, no it's not it's not Florida State I think Florida State's for real um, Billy Napier at Florida, Florida State did him no favors by winning last night. I think they were already out for blood on Napier. Now it's only going to get worse if Florida they, – they will not like being second fiddle at, at Florida if Florida State gets this thing rolling further down the tracks at the rate they're going. Uh, Jalen Milroll. He is the guy at Alabama now. I thought it would be him from the beginning. First player in school history to throw for three touchdowns and run for two in a game. Uh, Jalen Milrow is going to be that guy for the Tide. That was what was missing. That was the big question mark for Alabama coming into this year is what were they going to be at quarterback? What were they going to get out of the quarterback position? That quarterback battle had drug on and drug on and drug on. I kind of felt like Milrow would be the guy because he was the most experienced, and you saw what happened uh, Saturday. Uh, look, I understand the level of competition. Say whatever you want. It was against Middle Tennessee State, but uh, he looked really good, and, and that's the missing piece now uh, for, for Alabama. Um, speaking of Florida, I mentioned Billy Napier being in trouble there. And, and I mentioned about Spencer Rattler, South Carolina's quarterback, getting sacked nine times by North Carolina. How about Graham Mertz getting sacked six times against Utah? And by the way, to make matters worse for Florida, the Gators were just one of 13 on third downs. Uh, 
Eric referenced a second ago an old-fashioned Army-Navy game where they ran the football a lot. Army's actually changing this year. Army's running out of the pistol. Um, since they have um, got rules in place against cut blocking now, Army decided to change their offense, and uh, they end up the, the new offense didn't look good. They lost to Louisiana Monroe 17-13 over the, uh, over the weekend. So there you have it. That's a rundown college football from over the week. We talk about coaches on the hot seat, put Billy Napier's name on that hot seat, Jeff Halfley at Boston College. They lost to Northern Illinois. That is not a good way to go for Jeff Halfley. I think you can put him coming off a couple of three and nine seasons. He is going to be squarely on the hot seat now as well. We head into our final hour. We will revisit those headlines. We'll do that if you missed it earlier. We'll get you caught up on what you may have missed today. That's coming up. Chris Goforth in on this Labor Day. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and always on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <laughs> 